0: This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit CanDoWealth.com for more information.
1: Welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's Daily Politics Podcast. I'm Cindy Yu and I'm joined by Kate Andrews and Katie Balls. So, today the Bank of England has been in the news because it's raised interest rates again. Kate, can you update us on what the Bank of England has said today?
0: Of course, uh, we have seen another interest rates rise by 50 basis points. So so the bank rate has been taken from 3.5% up to 4%. This was expected, the market consensus was that it was going to raise by 50 basis points. They got exactly what they had been forecasting. It's interesting that this time round, two people voted to keep the bank rate at 3.5%. You didn't have anybody calling for a bigger increase than that 50 basis points, unlike in the past. So I think what you're seeing now is, well, the Bank of England have been trying to play catch up on interest rates for a long time, having called inflation so badly wrong from the start. They're clearly backing off from that sense of urgency. And although the minutes from the Monetary Policy Committee and their meeting and the press conference day featuring the the bank's governor, Andrew Bailey, did not rule out further interest rate hikes. They did suggest that they would need to see more signs of persistent problems and, and reasons to believe that the situation was worse than they currently think it is to keep going. So I think there's a big question mark as to whether or not interest rates are going to peak at 4% or perhaps rise to say 4.25, whereas not long ago, I mean, just days ago, market expectation was that they'd go up to 4.5%. So there's a bit of speculation, but this is also considered to be a crunch point, especially for a lot of mortgage holders. I mean, a lot of people out there will have mortgages for whom um, there isn't loads of wiggle room. And, uh, you know, so how much further they go, even though we're talking less than a percentage point, could have um, quite a, a significant impact. And then, of course, there's the economic forecasting around what the bank has has updated us on, and a lot of people are are pointing to Brexit at every opportunity they can when it comes to uh, the UK's growth projections. But I think I think what's particularly interesting about this round is that they the bank has revised its growth prospects upwards. It is still predicting a recession, but an even shallower shallower and an even shorter one than it was predicting in just November. And the main reason for that is because Rishi Sunak's government managed to get interest rate expectations under control. They really curbed them down, right down from 6.5% to now around 4, 4 4.5%. It's odd to me that the government is still trying to claim that it can control inflation, that it can have inflation. We really know that it can't. It doesn't have the tools like interest rates in its power to do that. But what it could be taking credit for is saying, look, guys, you know, a big change we made simply by coming in and creating that financial stability has already um, shown to impact the bank's forecast for economic growth. And it's moved the dial in the right direction. It's still not great. It's not good news, but it's better than we had last November. But, you know, they've kind of got so caught up in this idea that they can control things they can't. I think they're missing out on an opportunity to point to like an actual success in a very short period of time, which we see in the bank's
1: numbers today. Mm -hmm. and Katie this is something that Jeremy Hunt the Chancellor has welcomed today as another way to control inflation as Kate says they seem to think that it's their job to do that at the same time over half of voters don't think that Rishi Sunak is doing a good job on the economy according to a new poll out today uh, to mark his first 100 days as prime minister Um, tell us about that poll
2: yeah so this is part of a poll for the times as you say The economy is just one probably piece with the bad news in it. Um, You also have seven in 10 believe Rishi Saint will not be prime minister after the next election. Though that does suggest some people actually do believe, despite the polls, he is cruising to rules of victory. 27% think he has done well so far, so not really even close to a majority. And the year of polling, I suppose... On one ray of light for Rishi Sunak, it found that by a margin of 14 p- points, voters think Rishi Sunak has done a better job or has been a better prime minister than Boris Johnson was, which I think, and again, I do think some of the Boris Johnson comeback, at least right now, you never know what happened in the future, is a bit overdone, but... I think that's obviously quite useful when you have MPs going on the airwaves every, you know, few weeks saying bring back Boris. Um, including
1: Boris and Nadine Doris in your interview together.
2: Yeah, which um, airs on Friday. Though um, The, the rumour is that he's actually been a bit more loyal to Rishi Sunak than some might expect in that interview. Or at least, you know, hasn't quite stuck the knife in. But there's still time. I think what this polling shows is just what a difficult hand Rishi Sunak had when he took over and that's not to say oh poor Rishi Sunak he inherited all these things he had nothing to do with mm. obviously he did have a really key role in Boris Johnson's government he was the number two for the majority of it but there have been some you know, people saying oh his honeymoon is over and I think I struggle to see Rishi Sunak's first 100 days as involving any anything that could be described as a honeymoon. I mean, when he first came in, it was after market turmoil following Liz Truss's premiership. The autumn statement was tax rises and spending cuts um, that they had to, you know, force on MPs. It went along with it purely because things were in such a bad shape. I think it felt like it had to. Mm. But therefore, you don't look around at Rishi Sunak's early time as prime minister and think, oh, you know, he had an easy time and therefore probably partly explains why there hasn't been that much of a bounce I still think some around Rishi Sunak thought there would be more of a bounce than there has been but where is the ray of light for Rishi Sunak I think that the tricky thing is only think Downing Street and Rishi Sunak believe they're in this for the long haul and you know eventually hard work pays off and they'll have things to point to but when you have poll stagnant dreary news it just influences the mood in the party a pretty divided party already and it's if MPs think they're heading towards a loss or um, they're not particularly inspired then they get harder to you know campaign but also get behind projects.
1: Mm -hmm. And Katie just on that you know you mentioned a lot of these problems are leftover problems from the Boris Johnson era or the Liz Truss era but is that why a row like the Dominic Raab bullying scandal could be more damaging for Rishi Sunak because he is clearly a Sunak ally and someone that Sunak brought back
2: into the government and that just doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. So the Nadeem Zahari row I think has been damaging in terms of public opinion because for example, if you remember the David Cameron Greensill story, important story, but quite hard to really sum up in two sentences mm. and actually get the public really engaged with it. Tax, particularly around the time that uh, lots of people are doing tax returns, is just very easy to understand. And therefore, I think it has hurt the party at a time when things weren't looking great anyway. Politically, for Rishi Sunak... Nadeem Sahari is not a close ally, though I think filling his position is tricky because it's just a hard role, and actually he would seem to be doing some good work there. Dominic Raab raises more questions about Rishi Sunak's judgment than the Nadim Sahari case, in my view, because as you say, this is someone who went out and campaigned for him as front and centre, and as you've heard Kim Starmer and others say, did Rishi Sunak really not know about complaints about Dominic Raab's behaviour when he appointed him? I think that is a harder one for Rishi Sunak to answer than some of the questions about Nadim Zahawi. And also this story, because Zahawi is now gone, it's just the media's attention has already turned to it, Mm. so every day it's going on. But yet, this investigation could go on for weeks more. And because Rishi Sunak has said he is a politician, who will lead a government of integrity, it just means that he... I imagine people value him being above board maybe more than they would with Boris Johnson. Mm. Now, scandal obviously hurt Boris Johnson in the end, but I think each event is probably worse for Rishi Sunak because his whole demeanour is that he is someone who behaves well. So all this stuff, I think, has potentially more of a surprise or problem with voters.
1: Mm -hmm. And Kate, finally, today we also found out the profits for Shell coming down last year at around £32 billion. Uh, Meanwhile, this kind of bombshell investigation from the Times has revealed that actually British Gas had contractors that forcefully went into people's homes and changed their meters into a prepayment meter. It's a pretty bad day for energy companies, so you can probably understand why Labour is banging the drum for more windfall taxes again. Do you think that that's something that the government could
0: put in more windfall taxes on? Well, to Katie's point, Rishi Sunak certainly has a legacy in in terms of what we're dealing with now. I I think a lot of what he did as Chancellor uh, was very sensible, and he saw inflation coming before anyone else, and he made some difficult but necessary decisions around the public finances. But of course, he's also the chancellor that brought in this concept of a windfall tax. And let's not forget what these companies are paying. Uh, It's a temporary, well, temporary, let's use some air quotes there. It's going to go on for many years, and a lot of energy companies now think it's going to be permanent. But it's a supposed temporary 25% levy on the profits of oil and gas companies on top of corporation tax on top of the supplementary charge that these oil and gas firms pay, which is charged at another 10%. So we're talking about a sky high tax right now for these companies, which already has Companies publicly saying that they're rethinking their investments when they really thought this was a temporary, short-term policy. There was a sense they might be willing to stick it out, but now that they think, I think they see which way the wind's blowing on that one. And the government doesn't really even need to U-turn. I think it's just kind of established now that that companies may start making different decisions because they think that this is going to be a relatively permanent feature. Let's separate Shell from British gas and these two stories, because the British gas story is horrendous. It is taking advantage of some of the most vulnerable people in the country at a time where they're already making really tough decisions about their finances and could actually be putting people's lives in danger if they can't turn on the heating. That is really separate and horrendous and different from what we're talking about with Shell. You know, yes, Shell has made record profits. They've also kept energy and gas flowing. You know, at a crucial time when all the world was competing to get resources, you know, we haven't had those predicted blackouts across the UK. There have been some tough moments and we've even seen, you know, energy companies thinking about paying people to turn off heating and lights and the rest of it at certain times of day. It hasn't been easy. But it could have been far, far worse so far this winter. And, you know, I'm grateful to the companies that have made it possible for us to have access to those resources. And it's not as if they're not being taxed, as I just read out. You know, they are being taxed at really sky high rates. Um, So, yes, some people are going to make money from these record profits, shareholders included. Um, But I think everybody benefited from getting the resources that we needed. And I, I think it's important to sort of separate the success of Shell and also pointing to the huge tax they're going to pay for that success and what British Gas has done, which just seems like, you know, on, on the surface of it anyway. Um, and I think looking into the details as well, deeply inhumane, highly questionable and a very different kind of tactic.
1: Katie, on... Energy, you know, over the last year since the invasion started, energy has become really politicised. For Rishi Sunak's five priorities this year, is it a surprise that he didn't include something about energy in that, given that next winter may also be difficult? You know, do you think that it's actually something that he could have mentioned a bit more?
2: I think the thing about the five priorities is you can say, oh, this isn't a priority because you haven't named it, or you can say, well, lots of these fit in under the various priorities. So I think when you're talking about the economy, lots of these things relate to how you all feel in terms of cost of living and therefore energy is a factor in that. I think you could have put defence and energy as, as a separate thing. But also, for example, I was thinking about this the other day and lots of saying childcare is really important. When there was a row over Liz Trust's the scrapping of her proposal to change the ratios, saying, well, that's not a priority. So I think the, the problem is as soon as you start naming your priorities, you are left with just implying that the other things you don't care about as much. But I, I think on on energy, that is something which just underpins um, the, the economy in terms of how we're all feeling on cost of living.
1: Kate and Katie, thanks very much. And thank you very much for listening.